to God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you, and we are so grateful for your holy presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you've done and are doing and will do in and through us and in this place. Father, thank you. You receive all of the glory, all of the praise, all of the honor is yours. And we ascribe it to you and to the matchless name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I guess I should share a little bit of something from the Word, shouldn't I? <laughs> Praise God. I'm, I'm not going to be sharing what I plan to share, obviously. Uh, when the Lord moves like that. Well, He let me know this morning that, that, that what I had thought I was going to teach, I'm not going to teach. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. And I'm just going to share something real quick with you. I'm not going to spend a lot, uh, a lot of time. But um, just... Uh, everybody got, the, got your Bibles? Go get your Bibles. Look them up. Open them up. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. And, and this is very familiar scripture. Uh, it's nothing, nothing new to our ears. But um, I, I want to point out a couple of things to you, things that probably most of you already know, but it's what the Lord put in my heart, so I'll, I'll share it. Uh, let's start reading in verse 14. Are you there? And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. Well, let me tell you something, news about this ministry is spreading throughout everywhere and what God's doing here and what He is going to do and is doing and will do and wants to do. Praise God. And uh, He began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all and He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up and as, it, as was His custom Everybody say, as was his custom. This is a good custom to have, by the way. You know, some customs are all right. They're okay. It says he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Well, we don't worship on the Sabbath. We worship on Sunday. And this is not a synagogue, it's a church. But it's a good custom to come here and get together with the saints. Praise God. Amen. And... Um, as many of you as can come on Wednesdays, it's a good custom for you to come on Wednesdays. Yeah. Praise God. And then it says, He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now, does anybody have a different translation than book? Scroll? Anybody have scroll? Maybe your marginal say scroll. You know, in those days, they didn't have books. What they had was scrolls, and I mean these are big scrolls. Scrolls that, 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 you know, you would lay it down on a table, probably about half this size, you know, this table here, maybe a little bit bigger, and, and you would roll it, and you would roll one side and unroll the other. That's the way that you would find Scripture. Now, did you notice that it says that Jesus found the place where it was written? 
he on purpose went there. Huh? He went there on purpose. He found the place. Now, would you agree with me if I said that really there was no need for Jesus to read that scripture? I mean, he must have known that by memory. How many of you would say that Jesus knew that scripture by memory, by heart? I guarantee you he did. Not just from the fact that that was his, like, introduction scripture, wherever he went and preached, but besides that, I mean, his whole ministry was based on this, that he's going to read from the book of Isaiah. But besides that, in Jesus' day, well, okay, I'll share that, Lord. <laughs> I wasn't planning, I just came up, praise God. Uh, in Jesus' day, they, um, it's very interesting that they used to, well, you want me to share that first? Okay. All right. Okay, I will. Amen. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, Glory to God. <laughs> anyway. Ooh, glory. Just hang in there for a second. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Uh, in Jesus' day, number one, there was, there was the young people by the age of five started going to the synagogue and started learning the entire biblical text. By the age of five. By the time they reached ten years old, they could quote to you most, if not all, of the Old Testament. Okay? Now, you don't know this because uh, you get a picture of it. There were synagogues all over Israel, all over the Roman Empire. There were hundreds and hundreds, probably up in the thousands of synagogues, and they had day schools. And the young children would be sent there to study the Bible, study Scripture. So, you know, the Scripture says that Jesus grew up in wisdom, right? Not just in stature, but in wisdom. But now here's the interesting thing, probably something none of you have ever thought about before, and I've never heard this taught anywhere, but in my studies from the original text, I found this out in doing some research, and it shocked me. You know, we talk about the fact that Jesus, and I, I'm, I'm going to just blow totally out the door one of our most treasured ideas. Okay? So, uh, uh, get ready for it. Okay? You know, everybody's always talked about Jesus as the carpenter's son. Have you heard that? How many of you ever heard that? Everybody's heard that. And that he was also a carpenter. And he was a son of a carpenter. Well, <clears throat> for years I always thought that meant, you know, that he had a, a hammer and nails and, and was making, uh, yeah, making cabinets or, or something like that. And, uh, and I dare say most of anybody thought that, right? Almost everybody thought that. And, uh, and uh, well... Actually, the Greek word that's used there is more like, like, a, like a finisher, 
you know, like a, like one that finishes, like like a cabinet, you know, he finishes it. You know, I I I I have no talent in that area. Trust me, I don't. Joe knows. I got no talent in that area. I mean, when we were working here on the floor of the of the building, you know, the floor for the bowling alley, dear Lord, I mean, first of all, first of all, oh Jesus, we were we were we were gluing that floor down, okay. And you talk about two people, you know, that aren't used to this. I mean, by the end of the day, we smelled like glue and were as high as a kite, okay? And, and you know, they made the mistake of putting me to nail those nails. That's not my expertise. And Joe, bless his heart, got his thumb stuck in the middle, and I nailed his thumb. <laughs> And he said, all right, now, you know, started going, running around. <laughs> so I don't know anything about this stuff, you know, like cabinet making or carpentry. I never worked in that. My, my forte was in, was in restaurant work uh, when I was young and then in sales later on. But I never did any of that. So I don't know anything about it. The only thing I know how to do was to get a shovel, you know, and mix cement and stuff like that. That's about it. So... You know, I really, when I read this, you know, finishing carpenter, I had to have somebody tell me what that meant. But actually, that's not what that's talking about. You ready for this? In, and see, you wouldn't know this unless you had to study some of this stuff, but I, I sifted through it, you know, and found it. <laughs> and found where back in the days of Jesus... A carpenter, they used to call a carpenter a one that had expertise in the word. He had expertise in the word. You know, Joseph had to have been filled with the Word of God. I mean, how many men do you know that would put up with what Joseph put up with? I mean, here his girlfriend, that's wife-to-be, goes off and sees her cousin and comes back pregnant. Oh, yeah, I know what all you guys would say. Oh, well, that's okay, honey. Praise God. You know, it's all right. And then she came with the story, no, it was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Likely story. And you know, the angel of God came to him, and he was going to put her away quietly, it says, right? See? This was, see, it's something we don't understand. The house of Joseph and Mary was a house steeped with the word of the living God. And Joseph was considered an expert on the word. And they called him a carpenter. And Jesus, a carpenter's son, he learned that in his house. Don't you know God would do something like that? Put Jesus in a place where there was expertise of the word? Of course. Why would he put him in some old unbelieving home? Amen. Well, this was his custom. Obviously, he learned that from his parents. He used to go, and now he opened the scroll, 
and he found the place. He already knew where it was, but he found the place. Everybody say, he found the place. Now, he on purpose went there. And I've said this uh, on Wednesday nights, but it's something that there's something about going to the Word of God on purpose. When you are standing on the Word of God concerning healing, we all know by whose stripes ye were healed. We all know that scripture. But a lot of times we're standing only on our memory of that scripture. There's something about going specifically to the Word of God, opening it up, putting your eyes on it, and saying, Father, this is what your Word says. By whose stripes I was healed. This is what your Word says. Holding it up to Him. Your Word says that. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, so what was it that, that he said? He said, well, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Verse 18. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those that are downtrodden and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This will probably read differently than yours because I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. But there's some very interesting points here that I'm just going to mention to you. That is this. Uh, keep your place there in Luke chapter 4 and go to Isaiah 61. Let me show you something. Oof, hallelujah. Isaiah 61. This is where this is quoted. Now, the New American Standard Version is precise here in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. From the Greek text, this is the way it reads. I've checked it out, I know. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set those that are free, those that are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, keep your place there in Luke 4, and look at Isaiah 61, and notice that Isaiah 61 reads differently. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, or the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, did you notice that that is not in Luke chapter 4? If it is in your translation, it's wrong. It's been added. Okay? In the original text, in the older Greek text, it's not in there. Jesus purposely dropped this phrase. Now, let me explain something to you before you get all upset or something. You need to understand that during the time of Jesus, it was very common. It was a common practice to read the prophets in this manner. They would take out one line and inject another line of Scripture that was talking about the same thing to drive the point home. Okay? That's something you need to know. And it's important because this is exactly what Jesus is doing here because you have to understand, Jesus didn't have to read the whole text to these people. They were well, well aware of the text. They understood it. They knew it. <laughs> uh, 
All Jesus had to do was give them one simple line and the whole portion of Scripture would come boiling into their minds. Okay? Now, look at this. Look what, what it says here in Isaiah 61. So Jesus dropped this, this line. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. But look what he did. It says to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, don't lose your place in Isaiah 61. Go back to Luke 4. Look what Jesus did now. Jesus dropped that line because it says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. He just dropped that line. Which line? He has sent me to bind up the broken heart. He dropped that line. But now look what he did. And recovery of sight to the blind. He injected another portion of Scripture from the book of Isaiah that's not in Isaiah 61. Let's go to it. Isaiah 42. And this is very interesting because it is speaking, verse 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. Obviously, without too difficult to understand, it is talking about Jesus. And it goes down here to verse 6. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. Now listen to this. I will appoint you as a covenant. Literally, that means a blood covenant. And of course, you know, Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood. There was a covenant established. An unbreakable bond. He said, I will appoint you as a covenant to the people and a light to the nations to open blind eyes. This is where he got this. See, He took that phrase from this, and I mean, obviously, what he did was he put two scriptures that were talking about that special anointed one that was to come, and he slapped them together. Amen? Boy, I'm telling you, talk about a, a double barrel. Praise God. I mean, he gave it to them full blast to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from prison. Amen? Can you say amen to that? Glory to God. So that's what Jesus was doing. Now go back to Luke 4. Praise God. So Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. So because He was anointed, the Spirit of God was upon Him. Because the Spirit of God was on Him, He was anointed. Amen. So it's talking about they're interchangeable terms. When you talk about the anointing, you're talking about the Spirit of God. When you're talking about the Spirit of God, you're talking about the anointing. Amen? We know that. Okay. Let's go to, uh, let's just see a couple of more scriptures. And even though you know these, it's important for us to see it in the Word. Let's go Acts chapter 1, verse 8. All of you know it. Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
This anointing is power. And Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me. To do what? To preach, to heal, to deliver, to make people whole. As a matter of fact, he also preached the favorable year of the Lord or the acceptable year of the Lord in some of your translations. In my Bible, it gives as a cross-reference Leviticus chapter 25 that talks about the year of Jubilee. That's the year when everybody went free of their debts and slaves were set free. It was a, a day of freedom. Once every 50th year. Did you know that Israel never celebrated that? They never walked in the Word for 50 years straight. They never got there. It was always available. Never walked in it. Historically, they never walked in it. It was always available. Every 50th year, the horn would sound. Amen. Slaves would go free. Deaths were canceled. People were delivered from their bondage. So Jesus is saying a mouthful to these people. He's saying, the power of God is on me. The anointing. The Spirit of God is on me to open your blind eyes, to set you free, to deliver you out of the bondage that you're held in. The Spirit of God is on me to do it. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 1 says, and you will receive power when the Spirit of God has come upon you. Talking about us, not just them. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 I'm going somewhere with this, so just... You know, this is my translation again. I mean, New American Standard translation. I didn't write it, just in case. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him. You should underline that in your Bible. How God anointed him. Everybody say, how God anointed him. Now, who anointed him? God. God anointed him. Okay. That's good. With what? The Holy Spirit and with power. It's not talk. It's power. It's not just words. It's action. Deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. Okay. And how he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. In other words, everybody he healed was oppressed by the devil. Nowhere is God mentioned, thank God. God didn't oppress anybody. For God was with him. Everybody say, God was with him. Now, how many of you know that God is with you? If God be for us, who can be against us? But more than that, okay, I'll read that first. Is this scripture that all of us know, 1 John chapter 2? Oh, I'm telling you, glory to God. Amen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have. Everybody say, I have. I have. 
What do you have? An anointing from the Holy One. You know who the Holy One is, right? It's Jesus, the Anointed One. And you know all things, or you all know, like mine says. And then verse 27 says, And as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. Everybody say, the anointing that I've received abides in me. Say it again. The anointing I received abides in me. One more time. The anointing I received abides in me. What kind, of, what kind of anointing are we talking about? We're talking about anointing that is power to open blind eyes, to preach deliverance to people, to minister God's power to all those around us. Power. Everybody go like this, look like you're looking in your belly and saying, there's power in there. Glory to God. Say it again, there's power in here. Glory to God. Look at the other person and point to their belly. They may have a big belly, but that's okay. Go ahead, point to them and say, there's power in you. There's power in you. There is, Isaiah 10, 27 says that the anointing will remove every burden and break or destroy every yoke. Now, look at the person next to you and say, there is burden removing, yoke destroying, power in you. Amen. Praise God. One more scripture and I'm done. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now remember, Acts 10.38, how God anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. God was with him. Well, he's with us. Now we see that we are anointed, but how are we anointed? Power. Glory to God. Power. Woo. Say it again. Power. power. Glory to God. Mm. I guess I should find 2 Corinthians 2. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> chapter, what chapter did I say? No, it's chapter 1. Verse 20. For as many as may be the promises of God... As many as there are, they are, <laughs> in Him they are, yes, we're in Him, wherefore also by Him is our amen, see amen is a response, to the glory of God. Now, now, now wait a minute, you, you need to get this, look what he's saying. Wherefore also by him is our amen to the glory of God 
through us. Through us. God wants to get glory through us, but more than that, He wants to manifest His delivering, anointing through us, His glory. Amen? That's what He wants to do. But now here's the part that really got me. Now He who establishes us with you. So this is not something just for the apostle. This is the apostle and us. In Christ, in the anointed. That's what that word Christ means, the anointed. And everything that has to do with, with the fact that he's anointed. Now he who establishes us with you in the anointed one and anointed us is God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He says here, the one that's anointed us is God. Hey, the same anointing's on you that was on Jesus. Now, when are we going to believe that? We don't believe that. Not yet. We will. <laughs> We're working on it. But we really don't believe that. Can you say, I'm working on it? <laughs> Praise God. All right, stand up and say, I'm anointed. Stand up, stand up, say it. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Glory to God. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Turn to the other person around the other way and say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Now say to two or three people around you, I'm anointed.